welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Amen. Well, hey, good morning, church. Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, the warm house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, Man, it's good to have you today, uh, excited about this series, and uh, man, I just think it's awesome that you're here. Um, I always want to share and keep it in front of you uh, what God is doing through our church. Um, we are a naturally, uh, in American society, that we look inward quickly uh, and not look outward, so I want you to know uh, what God does through uh, our church here in Dublin uh, as we faithfully follow the Lord, as we give generously to the Lord. Um, we support uh, and give a, a percentage of our budget to the Connection Network. And what the network is all about is we want to plant 50 gospel-centered churches uh, by 2050. So today we have taken uh, a big step. Um, we have sent out our very first international church planner from within the network. So um, we can celebrate that. Um, Bo and Lauren, if you were here that Sunday, uh, Bo uh, preached for us, and and so he's headed to Southeast Asia. Um, That cat has been on a plane for 34 straight hours, so you got extra time in prayer. Pray for that man for some sleep when he gets on the ground, Uh, but but it's really incredible. Uh, A couple with three small kids and um, our our team with Connection Church Vidalia uh, put them on a plane with three suitcases and said, man, go and proclaim the gospel where it's never been. There's something powerful and amazing about that. And why someone would do that is because this news is worth going and sharing. Amen? Amen. So today, uh, we're picking up in week three of our series entitled uh, Holy Spirit. If you're new here, uh, I want to say welcome. I also would encourage you, if you've not listened to week one and two, to go back and check that out. Um, I believe this series may very well equip you uh, to know more of God, of who God is, and for Him uh, to lead you and guide you in this next season of your life. Um, what we're learning is that without the Holy Spirit, we do not have Christianity. Amen? That, that just as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit uh, is an incredible part of God's story. So grab your Bibles today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1. Uh, Acts chapter 1. And while we're in verse 1, and while you're turning there, um, I quickly just want to recap. Week 1, uh, we talked about the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament. And we learned a lot about um, what really God enjoys showing up in the middle of. And we look at cover to cover in Scripture, when the people of God build houses for God, and they become houses of prayer and worship, the Holy Spirit seems to come and invade those spaces. Last week, we talked about... Jesus, the Holy Spirit according to Jesus, and what Jesus taught, how he equipped his disciples for what to do when he lived, went back to heaven, and, uh, and how to walk with the Holy Spirit. And so today, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Um, today's sermon is going to be all about who is the Holy Spirit to us now? Who is the Holy Spirit to us now? And right now, we're in the middle of uh, the church age, and we are in the last generation before Jesus comes back. So, so all that's left in human history is what's called the church age. And what we're going to do is we're going to go and proclaim the gospel. Uh, a church will be established in every nation, tribe, and tongue, and then Jesus is coming back. So we are left to finish a task 
And then our Savior will come and rescue us and save us for all eternity. Amen. So here we go. Let's read 1 through 11. I'm going to take some time to pray. And, uh, and so let's read. It says in verse 1, it says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them, everybody listen here, to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. He spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized or immersed with the Holy Spirit. Then he gathered around them. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So, so he literally ascends up to heaven now. All the earthly work is complete. He's going to the throne. Now, verse uh, 10. They were looking at, uh, intently up into the sky as he was going. When, he, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him uh, go into heaven. Um, I'm going to stop and pray. And um, something that I feel like the Lord specifically put on my heart to, to pray into today um, is to pray against uh, distraction. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's something a lot of us are collectively going through. But I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we would be centered in because I believe God wants to speak to us today. Amen? Amen. So let's pause. Let's pray. I'm going to pray for the message, and uh, we're going to dive in. Father, your, your word said your house would be a house of prayer. And so, God, we just pause to stop and pray. And God, I, um, I just pray wherever there's distraction uh, in our mind or uh, anything in the service that would just want to take uh, our eyes off of you, Lord, I just pray against that. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, help us to center in on you. And Lord, um, as I pray every week, and, and God, you know my heart, uh, I just want to be a vessel today. I pray that um, this wasn't, wouldn't be a presentation, but God, this would be uh, soaked in the presence of your love. And God, that you would speak as we read your word. And, and Holy Spirit, I pray more than we talk about you, I pray today would be a demonstration of your power. And uh, I ask for that. I pray for every heart in the room, Lord. Uh, I pray that today, um, I know when it's cold, sometimes we can just kind of come and, um, and just go through church. But God, I pray that today you would honor the efforts to be in your house today. And I pray you would come and commune with us, Lord. I believe for that. I ask for that. I pray you be glorified in this time, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
All right, so if you're making movies, you want to make a, a, a pile of money on a movie, um, you need to draw up a scenario where there's an evil man that is trying to take over the world or destroy the world, and then you need to write in a character who swoops in at the last minute. Sometimes he's dressed in iron, sometimes there's an S on his chest, and sometimes it's a lot of Marvel characters, all right? And you swoop in, and they save the day, right? So all throughout uh, really history and really in our age and time, we all evidently will pay lots of, mo- uh, lots of money uh, to watch a very, very evil circumstance that threatens the good of the world, and a good man sweeps in at last minute and saves everyone. Amen? You know, the Marvel, uh, all the Marvel movies, the, the Avengers movies, uh, ha- have made a lot of money. And I want to let you know why that is. Right now, you and I, we sit in the middle of a very real cosmic battle that's playing out in the heavens. You know, we serve a God who works in the supernatural. And what is happening uh, right now as we sit in these seats um, is there are heavenly realities. There are principalities of light and there are principalities of darkness that are at war. And and right now, what's going on in the Holy Land, if if you don't know what's going on with Hamas and the the war against God's people, um, it, it really is an illustration of what is going on in the heavens, right? That there's a promised land that one day Jesus is going to set up his eternal kingdom in. Uh, He is the Lord of that land. And there is a lineage that we're learning about. If you're reading the Bible recap, and just for a second, how many of you are loving the Bible recap this year? Um, I I hear people talking about it, and as a pastor, can't tell you how much that fires me up. But we're learning there is a lineage that goes on down to the final age of the people of God that will dwell with him for all eternity. And we're learning, cover to cover in the Bible, every time God moves, Satan counterfeits those moves of light. He wants to come in and divide, distract, and he wants to stop the movement of God. This will play out until Jesus returns to save his church. And you and I are caught up in it. And, and if you, you know, a, a lot of times uh, we fail to see that that is a real thing. I heard a guy say one time, um, how, how does the enemy work in America? Listen, I, I want you to take this down in your notes. I believe in our generation, the enemy wants to distract us and he wants to keep us asleep. He wants to distract us from heavenly realities and he wants us to remain asleep. You ever notice when you, and I was talking with somebody earlier in the week about this, Do you ever notice when you begin to take a step to walk with the Lord, something comes and there comes this moment of struggle where you just kind of want to retreat? Or or we come in and we get distracted. When we begin to read the Bible with our our spouse, or uh, we begin to try to have a Bible time uh, with our kids, or we sign up for a small group, and things begin to happen that wants to keep us suppressed in the area we've been for a long time. It's like Satan shows up and, and we're trying to get up out of this uh, crib that we've been asleep in. And he's like, shh, 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 lay down. Don't wake up. Because he knows, man, when you become alive in the spirit, you become a threat to that dark kingdom. You, you become a threat. And man, he hates you. He hates Jesus. He hates you walking in joy, peace, and purpose in your life. He exists to steal, kill, and destroy. And apart from God's help through the Spirit 
we're sitting ducks and we're just going to be laid down and we're not going to do anything in the kingdom. And while we're laying down, he'll rob you of life. There'll be a form of godliness that is denying the power of God. It has no life. We'll be captive to the religious spirit instead of a relational God. And, and man, this is real. And I believe in 2024, what I believe God is doing in our church, he is waking the church up. And man, there is nothing more frightening to our enemy than a church that's alive and awake, hearing from God, praying to God, and reading his word. We, we become a real threat in this story that's playing out. And I plan on taking ground in this church. Amen? I, I just plan on it. And so today, man, I pray. Um, you know, I used to coach wrestling, and, and, and man, I'm a, I, I love to get excited and passionate, and I just feel it in my spirit today. Uh, I, I'm going to preach today. Amen? And I pray you're ready to receive it today because I believe what I'm saying is true. You know why? Not because I'm saying it, because God's Word has said it. And so we have much to talk about today in the Lord. Take this with you. Why you need to be reminded of this heavenly reality. Heavenly realities remind us to live with eternal purpose. Hear that again. Heavenly realities remind us to live with eternal purpose. When you get up an hour before time to go to work, and you get down on your knees and pray, to you that may be insignificant or you don't know if it matters, I just want you to know it matters massively to God. That, that is where the rubber is meeting the road in this kingdom battle. So I want to encourage you with that. Because I'm just like you, man. I have a tendency to get sleepy. And in these days, the Lord continues to tell me, you need to be alert and awake. I'm doing something. So what's going on in Acts here is Jesus lived the life we could never live. He died a death we deserve to die as sinners. Three days later, he arose from the dead, and that's called the gospel message. Because of his resurrection, you and I have resurrection life for all eternity. We receive that faith through repentance of sin, believing on God for what he's done for us, and you are set free. Nothing you could earn, nothing you can work your way up to. We have kingdom life now. So Jesus, when he, when he came back, when he resurrected, there was still more training to be done, right? So the Holy Spirit has not come to fill the believers yet, so Jesus has got some teaching to do. Now, I believe it's significant to know what Jesus is teaching about while he's resurrected over the period of 40 days because he's given them the purpose for which I'm giving you my spirit. So last week we talked about the Spirit of God, what the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who He is for us. But today I'm going to talk about what He desires to do through us. All right? This is a gift from God that is not meant to be sat on, it's meant to be shared. The Holy Spirit is a gift, and we need to be generous with that gift. All right? So Jesus in verse 3 says that He began to teach for 40 days about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Uh, remember, this eternal reality. He begins to preach about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And these guys are like, man, Jesus, when are you coming back to establish this kingdom? And they want to be with Jesus. And I believe um, that's the first part of don't run out to go do something for the kingdom. You need to fall in love with the king first. So there was this love relationship with Jesus, and Jesus says um, most powerfully in verse 8, we're going to center in there. He says, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes, uh, when it comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To speak to Bo, we have a commission that by his divine power, we will go and we will cover this earth with the name of Jesus. And he says, this is the, the purpose for which I'm giving you, my spirit. It's a gift from me to you to steward for my purposes. So here we go, point number one, take it with you. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to establish the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to establish the kingdom of God. Now there's some very bad theology out there. And I'm going to share some bad theology before I share some good ones. I did not share that good news. Jesus did not share that good news for us to get a ticket, to sit and suffer through life, and wait to get to a place with fat babies and wings and clouds. All right? Just, all right, bad theology. Now, good theology. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to get the purposes of heaven accomplished in the earth. Listen, we are not meant to sit. We are meant to enjoy kingdom life and, and give kingdom life away as we go through this life. Like, like, heaven is a reality that we get drops of as we sit before the Lord and pray. Right? Like, we have been given access into the throne room of God that we can go, and we're not there yet, but we can sure get some taste of it. All right? And I'm telling you, we need that heavenly taste to get through the difficulties of life. We need that. And so um, the Holy Spirit has given to us to establish the kingdom of God. Now remember, we don't need to fall in love with the kingdom first. We need to fall in love with the king who's on the throne in the kingdom. Now as we pray to him, as we have a stronger relationship with him, as we read his word, we begin to naturally desire the things that that king wants. And we know now that this king wants his kingdom established in the earth. Now, I want to give you a good resource. You can go to the Bible Project, and I want you to type in, in the Bible Project, how heaven and earth meet. One of the best videos I've seen. And essentially, how does heaven and earth meet? That Okay, heaven's separate from the earth, but yet it says we want the, the, the kingdom of heaven established in the earth. This is what I want you to know. Every time a person lost in sin, lost in bondage, gets saved, and Jesus becomes Lord, the kingdom is established through a life. So every disciple you go and make is the will of heaven coming to the earth. Every time a household, all right, begins to discover the word of God, and Jesus begins to become the Lord of that household, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is being established in the earth. That house becomes a light in a dark world. Remember, back to that person. That person becomes a light in a dark world. We become, uh, like the Bible says, we're like lamps that are uncovered. Churches are like cities on a hill. Cities are a place of refuge. Cities are a place, you ever gone at night and you come into a big city, you see how the lights are everywhere? That is who the people of God are to be in the earth. So, so as the people of God, as Jesus becomes the king of a person is Jesus becomes the king of a household. And listen, as a new church that is preaching kingdom, that is preaching Jesus is established, that becomes a light in a dark world. That is the kingdom of God being established in the earth. 
You guys remember all the way back in Genesis 1. Before God spoke, it said the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the surface of the deep. We talked about darkness means chaos. It means fear, right? And that's the dominion of Satan, our enemy. But then God spoke and said, let there be light and light appeared. And we talked about that spoken word was Jesus. It's just the same story playing out all and over, all and all and all, over and over. So every time, listen, through the network, we're planting church number nine. Every time a church is planted, that is light being planted in a place of darkness. And we need to celebrate like crazy. A new church plant is like a new window to heaven. It's getting access, and Bo's getting access to a group of people that have lived in darkness for hundreds and hundreds of years with no hope of light. It's opening a door of access. Listen, we're not playing games, man. Our king is coming back, and only the lives that he's lord over are going to get to enjoy that kingdom. And in a lost and dying world, that brings urgency of this wasn't meant to stay with my family, but this is meant to grow God's family and get it to people that need it most. The Spirit of God, as we begin to deny ourselves, we talked about last week, as He begins to well up in us, it will create desire that I've got to get this out. We've we got to get this out. I know people that need this news. It calls you to do crazy things like sell your house, get three bags, and go 34 hours away. Because it ain't really crazy if the king's really the king. It's only crazy if he's not who he says he is. And if he says he is, Bo's the smartest man I know. Mm. And you know, talking about this, I'm going to coach for a minute, all right, coaching hat. I always coach my kids, I do not like defensive wrestling. All right, I was watching the state tournament yesterday, so pardon me. Anyway, I do not like defensive wrestling. And what, what defensive wrestlers do is they don't, they don't go and attack. They just kind of circle around. And, and I'm, I, I just believe in good offense. I, I used to train my kids to, to, to always be on offense, always be moving forward. Listen to me. In, in these kingdom times, I believe we need to strike a blow to our enemy. We, we don't need to play defense with this. We, we need to play offense. This this message, as we begin to get it out, man, it strikes a blow to, the, to our enemy. Because, listen, here's the deal. The more I grow in the faith, the more I come to the reality that Satan hates me. The stuff you're dealing with, the, the fear, the doubt, the worry, the anxiety, I, I'm telling you, we all fight it, and it does not come from God. It comes from our sin, and it comes from an enemy who wants to keep us in our sin. And I can't stand it. I'm just going to flat out tell you. I, I, I want to I strike a blow to him. And how we strike a blow to him is we make Jesus Lord of our life and we share the gospel message so that he will become the Lord of those stuck in bondage. This is the message of the kingdom of God. Y'all awake today? Is everybody good? All right. So listen, here's the deal. As, as, you, take it, um, as you take this message with you, I want you to just ask a question. How is Jesus wanting to establish his kingdom through my life? I just want you to take that with you this week. How is Jesus wanting to establish the kingdom through my life? And it may just start with your life. Don't worry about the other steps. That's the most important one. That's the most important one. 
Now, second point I, I want to walk you through today. I'm going to give you some specifics here. The Holy Spirit accomplishes this through the lives of believers, right? Now, Jesus could have established the kingdom however he wanted it, but man, I, I tell you, he's creative. He's got a sense of humor. He uses everyday people like you and me. That's, that's crazy, isn't it? Because I know me. I can be a moron, all right? Don't be laughing. All the It's okay. You can say it. I know some of y'all. Um, but I want to walk you through how. Uh, because bad theology is that I would preach a message to give you a gift that you have to wait 40 years on. That's bad theology. Today, I want to share the gift of the Holy Spirit and how God wants us to walk with Him daily. All right? Because I believe discipleship has been missing in the church for a long time. I want to give you some practical how-tos so that you flourish and you strike a blow. Amen? Y'all good with that this morning? I want to give you the four tenets of a maturing Christian, of how do we walk by the Spirit. The four tenets of a mature disciple. Uh, tenet number one, it starts with the knowledge of God. It starts with the knowledge of God. And what I mean by knowledge is not how much you know the Bible, it's knowing the man who wrote the Bible. That's Jesus, right? You, you're not going to read the Bible this year, and then you're good enough to be a Christian. Uh, listen, Knowledge of God is available through the finished work of God. No work, all grace. Just a reception of this. So um, it begins with a relationship with God. And we live, one of the enemy's tactics is to keep you bound by a religious spirit that you don't feel good enough to have a relationship with God. If you feel that way, you're right where you need to be because none of us are good enough for a relationship with God. That's why Jesus went to the cross. And so if you try and earn your way into God's favor... You're going to get tired, burdened, and burn out, and you'll quit the church. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Try and, and earn your way into that thing, and you will get tired, you'll get burdened, you'll be burnt out. Because God did not come to save a facility. He did not come to save a list of rules. He came to save souls through forgiveness and repentance. It's free, man. It's free. Now, the, the second tenet, because what happens when we receive that relationship, we, become, we begin to become transformed. Now we have a relationship with the living God. We understand the gospel. The Holy Spirit has illuminated our eyes to see that God is who he says he is. Now, tenet number two is obedience. Obedience. And this is where transformation begins to happen. As we see God for who he is, for what he's done... Then we begin to obey. We begin to obey the things of God. I, I want you to read with me John chapter 15, 9 through 11. Check this out. As the Father has loved me, he says, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So obedience is the mark of the transformed life. We don't obey so we prove something. We obey because God proved his love for us on the cross. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Now, verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I'm going to share something over your life. The purpose and the joy you're looking for in life is found walking hand in hand with Jesus. 21 years old. Good family. I had everything this world had to offer, and I was a sad, empty young man. Because I wanted to find joy, and I looked everywhere I could, and I was empty. I was a dry well. And then the love of Christ stepped in my heart, and he gave me his joy. 
walking hand in hand in obedience to his commands. I don't give a darn what the world says about that. That's the joy you're looking for in your life. You're looking for him and you don't even know it. Some of you don't. Third thing, third tenet is being spirit-led. Now we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit here, okay? Um, And so we've established that the Spirit of God wants to accomplish the will of God in the earth, to establish the kingdom. Now, as you begin to obey, listen, Jesus becomes living to you. Remember, we talked about He's on the throne, but the Holy Spirit is His Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person who now dwells inside of you and and wants to will and operate as God desires. Now, um, what happens is when you begin to love God and obey, you will have things happen in your life that you would say, that's got to be a coincidence. That's not, that's God. That's God. That's how He speaks to us in the earth. And as you begin to encounter God, you want more of God. You want more of His Spirit. Like, God, that was amazing. You just spoke to me through that sermon, through that song. I want more of you. I want to be led by your Spirit. And what we want to do is to begin to learn how to deny ourselves. And as we lay our lives down, the Spirit of God begins to lead us. Now, according to Acts 1.8, and, and sorry, let me, let me share a verse on this. Uh, Galatians 5.16, so you know I ain't just making stuff up up here. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of of the flesh. How many of you guys struggle with sin and joy? I'm going to raise y'all's hand or I'm going to come off this stage, all right? We find life and joy when we lay our life down. Because what he's saying, how to walk by the Spirit is to lay the flesh down. The best prayer you could pray every day is, Lord, help me to deny myself and follow you. That's life. It's life. And man, that simple prayer with your face on the ground, you'll be amazed what happens when you get up. It'll blow you away, man. It'll blow you away. So he says, walk by the Spirit. Now, uh, the fourth tenet is missional living. So if we desire to be led of the Spirit, if we desire to be led of the Spirit, His Spirit will lead us into the mission. And then we begin to ask that question of God, how do you want to advance the kingdom through my life? How are you wanting to advance the kingdom in my workplace? Jesus, how do you want me to start talking about it with my kids? Uh, Jesus, do you want me to move somewhere? Um, Do I need to learn more about missions? Listen, we begin to want to engage in kingdom living. Now, I've told this story many times. The first person I ever led to Christ, I didn't invite him to church. Like, I led him to Christ through the power of the Spirit. I became addicted. Because it blew me away that God could use someone like me. And I felt the Spirit of God moving through me to share the gospel. And you know what happened? After tenant four, I saw the mission of God and and the desire for the mission to be lived out through my life. Go back to tenant one. Then I became hungry for more of God. I became hungry for more of God. I wanted to know God more. I wanted to obey more. I wanted more of His Spirit because I wanted to be more effective in His mission. And it started a circle in my life that them wheels are still turning. What I want to do today, I want to encourage you, I want those wheels to start spinning in your life. Because God uses everyday people like you. He does, man. And and Satan wants to tell you right now, you could never be useful. That sin you're trapped in, that cycle, you'll always be there. You'll never get rid of it. Those people know too much about you. It's a daggum lie, man. It's a daggum lie. God has you here to hear that he can use you if you just let him. Be encouraged, all right? Be encouraged. Now, 
How else do we do that? The, the, the second, the, take this week. So we got the four tenets of a disciple, but also by bearing spiritual fruit. By bearing spiritual fruit. Um, bearing spiritual fruit. Um, and so uh, in Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now remember, is the Christian life to go and do things for God or go and do things for Jesus or allow Jesus to live his life through us? It's to live his life through us. And so what it means to abide is to rest abundantly in. So how we begin to bear these fruits in our life is that we begin to rest in Jesus. We begin to learn how to love Jesus. That sounds crazy simple, right? But, but what Jesus is saying is we fall in love with him, he will begin to transform our lives, and we will begin to bear those things in our life. Man, how many of y'all before Christ, you got hangry and you ready to cuss somebody out, right? I'm, I'm getting some of you ladies now, y'all better raise it. All right. Carla ain't in. Anyway, all right. I repent. Okay. Um, here's the deal. There's a psalm, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. And it says, Blesses the man, blesses the man who basically, I'm going to paraphrase here, who plants his tree and loves, meditates on the word of God day and night. It says he'll be like a tree planted by the river. So, so that the, the, the word of God, the spirit of God and prayer it's like living water. It comes from the throne room of God. It's available every morning. As we learn how to plant our lives by that river of life that comes from heaven, um, what, says, what it is is that water begins to give nutrients to the roots of a tree. And the tree begins to grow healthy. And that tree begins to produce fruit. Right? Why? Because it's getting a lot of good water supply. That's the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and prayer. And what happens is healthy fruit begins to be produced in that tree. And I'm, I'm convinced of this. Some of our best missional living and evangelism isn't from what we say, but it's from abiding by that river. When you walk into a workplace and everybody's freaking out and gossiping and doing all this stuff, and you have self-control, they want to know why. When chaos breaks out and you've got peace, they want to know why. When they offend the heck out of you, they gossip about you and you find out and you choose to forgive and love, they want to know why. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I want to ask you a question, okay? Today when you leave here, you're going to go eat, you're going to go out in the world. What do people taste when they walk up to your tree? All right? What are people tasting when they walk to your tree? Because I'm not telling you to go and do anything. I'm telling you to plant yourself by that river and become a fruitful tree. That I pray the taste of your fruit is sweet, sweet to the soul. Now, the third thing, how, do, how does God, how does the Holy Spirit accomplish this through the lives of believers? Uh, the third thing is this, by using spiritual gifts. Us using our spiritual gifts. So, man, we need like 
seven more weeks for this series. Y'all cool with that at some point in the life of this church? If y'all enjoyed the Holy Spirit, like, okay. So, Jesus shares all this, and then the disciples, Acts 1 that I just read, they go up in an upper room and they pray. And I'm talking about when the Spirit of God comes, it is miraculous. They are enabled to speak in languages that they don't know. People begin to hear the goodness of God in their own language. It's, it's incredible. They begin to heal. They begin to perform signs and wonders and all these sorts of things. And here's the deal. God has given us, through His Spirit, when you have Him, He has given, given you gifts to accomplish His purposes in the earth. And they are supernatural. Right? They, they don't make sense in the world. But as you begin to grow in your knowledge of God, as you plant yourself by the tree, things will begin to happen in you that you're like, man, this is different. And it's God gifting you to accomplish His purposes in the earth. And we're going to get into this more and more, but I want you to know is that we need the gifts of the Spirit to accomplish kingdom work in the earth. We need to begin to discover who we are in Christ, how He has gifted us, and begin to desire the gifts of God so that we can get His will done. That's the purpose, right? Everybody tracking with me? All right, so here we go. I'm not going to, I usually leave you with a question. I want to leave you with a statement before we go to the third point today. Take this with you. God wants to use you for kingdom purposes. You need to write that down in your journal. God wants to use me for kingdom purposes. He gets his will done through you and me. He wants to use his people to get the will of God, the will of heaven done in the earth. And we do that by yielding to the Holy Spirit. By bearing fruit, walking in our giftings. Now, Third thing, I'm going to talk to the church here. The Holy Spirit accomplishes this through His unified body, the church. This may be straightforward. But can we do more as individuals or can we do more as a team? As a team. God operates in team. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, team. Unified team, all perfectly God. Every great move of God in the Old Testament, there was a unified church worshiping Jesus. The believers, it says in Acts 2, and the vision statement of our church, Acts 2, 42 through 47, it says they were all of one accord or in one mind. That all, that the kingdom of God had consumed them. That, that they were living for the kingdom, for the kingdom of God being advanced. And so for us as a church, I just want you to know when we begin to see the tactics of the enemy and we become unified around kingdom purposes, we become a threat to that kingdom of darkness, a very real threat. And so I want to share some of Satan's tactics in your life, but also in the life of a church. Satan's tactics, number one is fear, fear that he wants to cause fear and paralyze you where you are, that you can't move forward. He wants to instill fear that you could never walk out this thing of faith. He wants to install fear of people, of what people would think. He wants to instill fear in your life to cripple you. Because all of us, when we experience fear, we're paralyzed. We stop in our tracks. 
When we're offended by something, Satan capitalizes on that and he wants to create bitterness in your heart. He wants to create bitterness in your heart. He wants to, he wants to sit you in a corner and make you mad for forever. And what happens is, is we become ceased. Because the thing is, when we're offended and upset, the thing is, is that we think it's just about us and how we've been hurt, but Satan is winning because God wants to keep working through your life. Another thing that the enemy does uh, is that he, then out of that bitterness, he creates division. And out of division, what happens is what was a team begins to become divided. I, I want you to know the history of the American church is a really sad story because what it is is a bunch of splits everywhere. So think about these little tiny streams that are more and more growing outside of that river of life, and it ceases to work. And then this is the one today I want you to know. Satan wants to distract you. I, I think that's number one right now. He wants to distract you from the reality of that there is a king and a kingdom. And with that, this is America. The, the other thing that Satan uses to keep the church from accomplishing the will of God is comfort. 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 That when he calls us into a step of obedience that's uncomfortable, we, we tend to want to just cease and retract. And I just want to share mine. If, if y'all would, um, and I pray you pray for me, there's two things in my life that I'm asking God to deliver me from this year. That, that I know is what keeps me from walking in the fullness of what God has for my life. And this is sharing my story with you. Number one is the fear of man. And number two is that I would always speak the truth in love. Hear that again. Fear of man and speaking the truth in love. What that means is, is always telling the truth, no matter how it's received, but always having a heart of love in what I'm saying. I, I want to be that, man. Because that's what Jesus was. He never compromised the truth in his generation. The truth got him hung. The truth got him hung on a tree. And even the people that were hanging him, he said, Father, forgive them because I love them. Man, that's powerful right there. And I think about the men talking about fear of man. I think about the men God used mightily. He used John the Baptist and Paul. Listen, John the Baptist, I don't know what his preparation for his ministry looked like, but that cat came out of the wilderness, and my man was decked out with, like, camel's hair and eating locusts, all right? He could give two rips about what people thought, you know what I mean? Like, like, like because he was so consumed with the king and the kingdom that it didn't matter anymore. He had a message to deliver, amen? Fear of man had died. Paul spent 14 years learning from Jesus, and when he came out of his time with the Lord, that intimate time with the Lord... He wasn't afraid of no man because he had spent time with the king. Listen, Jesus wants to do the same thing in our lives. So how do we, how do we overcome fear, bitterness, division, distraction, comfort, fear of man, truth and love? How do we overcome? Listen, here's the deal, okay? We have to love and forgive. Love and forgive continually go back to the cross and continually go back to the mission of God. And, and here's the deal. When Jesus saves us, he doesn't save chambers of our heart. He wants every part of our heart. And a prayer can be, God, what chamber of my heart are you not Lord over yet? What chamber of my heart have you not 
are you not the king over? What is in my life that is keeping me from freedom? What, what is keeping me from joy and life and, and peace and comfort? What, what is it? And even divisions in the body, listen, a lot of times it's talking about spiritual gifts and the things of God. You know, we have two, uh, we, we have two kind of separations in our country. If we've got uh, conservative denominations that believe the gifts of the Spirit are gone. We have charismatic denominations um, that are flowing in the, the power of the Holy Spirit and walking in the gifts, and they believe all this church is dead and gone. And one of the things that I believe God is doing is this, is that the Lord wants to unify His church Fully truth, fully spirit, walking in the power of God on the earth. Listen, because here's the deal. We're always afraid of what we don't understand. And the kingdom of God is a supernatural kingdom. Right? And so here's the deal. Scripture lays out truths of how to structure a church and all the things to do. But listen, this is what I've learned. We can have a pretty church with pretty structures and everything's got all the things it needs. But at the end of the day, if God doesn't breathe on those structures, we're not doing anything. We need the Spirit of God to breathe on it. And so therefore, we don't need to let what we don't understand push us away from the gifts we need to accomplish the will of God. So I'll, just so you all know, I'm not making this up. John 4. Yet a time is coming, we're in this time, a time is coming that has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. For the last three months, you've been coming here, and all I've talked about is worship and prayer. Because, listen, not because this is what I want you to do, that this is the worshipers that God desires. That we begin to worship him open to the things of the Spirit, grounded in the root of truth. We become trees planted by a living river, and God begins to come alive. We begin to become light, and God sends us out of this theater into the world to bear light in His image so that a dark world can come and know our King. Amen? That, that's what we're doing here, man. And so um, as the worship team gets ready to lead us in worship, I, I just want to kind of land the plane right here is this. As we talk about the, the things of God, what we learned today, okay, the Spirit of God was given to us to accomplish His kingdom purposes in the earth. He is a comforter. He is our peace. He is all these things. But that gift was given to us that he may flow through us into the world so that we may give this news away. Now, for those that are new, and this is all new today, maybe you've never heard the gospel message at a heart level. You've probably heard it at a head level because you, you live in South Georgia. But at a heart level, it says in verse 3 that Jesus suffered many things. I want to tell you what he suffered. And I was thinking about this. I was praying this morning. talking about offense and wounded hearts. Jesus was betrayed by one of his best friends, Judas. Jesus, by a man that said he would die for him, was abandoned by Peter. Then he sat in a trial for nothing he did wrong, and he sat silent, and he took it. From that trial, he was led out into a courtyard, and he heard the people that once sang Hosanna, they sang Crucify kill him and then he got up on a cross 
No, I'm sorry. He, he took 40 lashings. He took 40 lashings, so he's, he's, he's beat up bad, man. Not only is he emotionally wounded, but he's physically wounded, wounded. And then they make him part of the way. He couldn't do it the whole way because his body was given out. He carried a cross up a hill, his own cross that he was going to be nailed to. Got some help, got up to the top of a hill between two sinners that were wrong. He got up in the center of it. They nailed his wrist to that cross. They nailed his feet to that cross. So he hung up almost naked. And he, and he, and he hung like this. And even in his last acts, he forgave one of those sinners and he got saved. <laughs> and so he's hanging there. And what he's doing, what he was doing was paying for the sins of the world. He stayed right there on the cross until all your sin was paid for. He just stayed there. And I think about my life, man. And he paid for it. All the things I've done, all the mistakes I will make. He said, I'm, I'm totally going to forgive you. Everything I'm talking about with the Spirit is all about that. That sacrifice gave us access to all the things I'm talking about. Man, sometimes we hear it so much, it's not so fresh. But man, it's true today. And if someone's here and you've never gotten that, you've never heard that, that it got in your heart, don't leave here until it gets in your heart. It'll change your whole life. And there's no bondage he can't free from. There's no mistake he can't heal. So I just want you to bow, bow your head. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And if you're here today and you need to know that news, receive his spirit. I'm just going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you died for me on that cross. I admit and repent of my sin. And I want to trust you as Lord today. Thank you for what you've done. With every head bowed, eye closed. If you pray that prayer, would you just lift your hand? Is that anybody in here that prayed that prayer for the first time? If you will, just keep it up so we can give you some content to help you on your new journey. For the rest of us, Lord, I pray in this time of worship, as we've talked about your spirit, God, I pray we would encounter your Holy Spirit. I pray in the worship today, it would be full of uh, spirit and truth. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, love you guys so much. Let's stand and worship King Jesus together. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.